Yeah. And, and it, he, you know what? It wasn't he, it wasn't his yard. We just talked about dogs and yards. You know, he was an adopted dog. When he was adopted, he walked into that yard. He opened the gate. The owner came out, and the owner was like, that dog stays. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Pick and Play show, where today your pal Gordo and Leo are going to be breaking down the malice in the palace. We have a new section segment coming up called Four and Out. We're going to debut that, see how that goes. Then we're going to break down my beloved AFC North, and we're going to talk some football as we crank here into the regular season. Let's chop it up. Stop calling me unless you're the ring. I'm on the beach. I got my feet out, and I stay on my feet. The corner beat. I'm on a deep route. Just throw the ball to me. Thought all this lean would have me see now. I guess they see now. That's touchdown. Catch a beat down like I catch touchdowns. I fuck around and slow the beat down and take the drums out. The speed of my blunts. Agreed. I'ma eat my own flow, and I'm in need of a flaw. I'ma eat me a rabbit. I might as well eat me a hoe. Okay, Leo, you gave me a little bit of homework. You said go watch Mouse in the Palace. I've seen it. We need to talk about it. I've seen it. Let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? You know, what's funny about the Malice in the Palace is that I kind of remember how long that was 2004. So we're sitting at like 17 yeah. years. I remember yeah. when it was on watching it, you know, I was watching that game as it was happening, you know, because I was a big Reggie Miller fan. And so I wanted the, the Pacers to make it to the championship. I was very invested. And so I remember my memory of the Malice in the Palace is watching this unfold in front of me. And thinking, holy shit, I gotta call someone. And I remember calling you and you didn't pick up the phone. And I called some of our other neighbors. Nobody was picking up the phone. And it was my mom that I got to come to my room and, and watch it with me. I needed to share that moment with someone. And I remember th- calling my mom like, yo, come watch this. And she couldn't believe it. So it was it was a good bit of nostalgia watching that, even though it wasn't a, a very happy time. It was a positive memory for me. I, enjoy, I enjoyed the Malice of the Palace, as terrible as that yeah. was to say. Yeah, re-watching it... Um... I want to break this down into two sections. The first one is the implications on what it did for the NBA season, uh, which, frankly, no one talks about at all in any way, shape, or form, or talked about at the time in any way, shape, or form. And then the social kind of fallout, which is what everyone really experienced. So as it breaks down, and Jermaine O'Neal does an incredible job kind of standing it up and being the front man uh, for the documentary. Uh, I thought he put things together in a great perspective and and, and really presented himself well. Uh, I thought all the characters came out perfectly. Uh, Jackson is a menace to society. Ron Artest is a menace to society. Uh, Those two together on a team. But when we talk about the impact, really, here's my number one takeaway. David Stern turned around and said, fuck them players (laughs) fuck david stern in all honesty fuck them players rest in peace david stern but fuck david stern yep he knew one thing he did one thing exceptionally well he grew the brand of basketball exceptionally well he did everything to protect we say it in the nfl we say protect the shield to protect the logo David Stern did anything and everything he needed to do. And and he was right for it. He grew the sport to what it was. It went from franchises being left in the hands of uh, the, the league and not being able to, you know, sell a team to today the low-end teams are worth a cool couple hundred million dollars. So 
it, he he did a lot. He did a lot for the greater good, as we we call it. But this was an instance that, as we rehash it, we learn very quickly that he was perfectly fine with the players being scapegoated that way, as long as he could maintain the relationship with the fans. And he had no problem with what mainly was the white national media um, really coming out and labeling the players thugs. Uh, you know, they went after the way the players dressed, were oriented. They played all the clips. Um, I really, from a social aspect, completely let the, the fans off the hook. You know, honestly, to me, the star of the whole show was the fucking prosecutor. I thought the prosecutor basically identifying the cup thrower by who by his you know oh that guy used to date my neighbor was an insane twist to the whole thing yeah i didn't i didn't remember that detail and i didn't see that coming either that man really cracked the case just by being a nosy neighbor yeah 100 percent. and then they even break it down to where the fan comes off the floor that i i I know why they gave that rat bastard screen time. I don't even know his name. The fat pudgy dude who uh, ran on the court he, and he sucker got punched me. Killed. It was a bitch move. Yeah, yeah that guy. You deserve I to am, get punched in the face. I what the hurt. fuck were you doing in the court? Yeah, your face looks very punchable well, pro- to begin with. I don't know why oh, you decided yeah. to get into the mix. Because he's a he's a fuck boy. That's like what that that's what a fuck boy looks like. That's what a feel fuck boy is. And uh, I like the prosecutor being like, no, he comes up with clenched fists onto the court. This is a slam dunk case. There's nothing here for him, which I thought was like a good moment towards the end because the whole time you're expecting something else and then it comes out and the guy's like, nah, this was totally okay. The prosecutor really, I think, saved that. So, you know, from from a social aspect, I really thought they threw the players on the just completely under the bus and the suspensions were insane. For some of the players that never even left the court, I think were absolutely insane. Looking back on it, what what a, what a shape to basketball it gave it. What were your thoughts there? It just sucked because, you know, like I said at the top, the, the Pacers, they were a contender that year. As you saw in the documentary the year before, they go yeah. to the conference finals. They lose to Detroit, heartbreaking fashion. Detroit goes and wins the championship. Coming into that next season with Steven Jackson, bringing the guys back, Artest is still there, Jermaine O'Neal, Jamal Tinsley. Like, they had a really good team. And they, they came out of the gates firing. And so I, I thought that that was their season. And then, you know, the Malice in the Palace happens 10 games, I think, into the year, 12 games into the year. Artest gets suspended the whole year. Jackson gets pretty much the whole year. Jermaine O'Neal gets a, a big chunk of the season, and that kind of that that was it right there. And and that's that's the note that Reggie Miller had to leave on, like you saw in the documentary, and it just kind of sucked, you know. I, I, to be fair, David Stern had to hand out the suspensions that he handed out. He had to. You know, you can't have the the, yep. the stars of the NBA because Jermaine O'Neal and Artest they were stars at that time. You can't have them whooping the fans' ass, even if the fans de- deserved it, which I think they did. But it just sucks because I, I think it altered NBA history. I really think that that Pacers team was the best team in the league that year. Uh, if my memory serves me correct, that year in the finals, I think the Spurs were the champion. Um, I, I might have to double check that, but regardless, I thought that the Pacers were going to win the championship that year. Reggie Miller was going to go off into the sunset a champion, and uh, because of that brawl, none of that happened. None of that happened, and it's a little heartbreaking. I'm sure Reggie's still sick about it. You could kind of read his, 
you could read through the lines. You know, you could see that he was very disappointed that that's how his career ended. And that, that sucks. I still feel for him. Yep. Yeah, and and I, my only rebuttal to that is not that they weren't the best team. I did not watch basketball. Um, but they had a pretty powder keg of a situation already brewing between Ron Artest and O'Neal. And Jackson doesn't make you know, he came in obviously to be more of kind of the law. It sounds like he came in to be the loudest dog in the yard to kind of keep everyone else, you know, situated. But the doc kind of starts with Ron Artest being like, I don't want to be here and I don't want to play. So that was kind of, you know, my only rebuttal to the whole thing is that any point in time it could have been blown up and Ron Artest does something crazy uh and the team doesn't function again i mean it was a, it was a team that was already kind of teeter-tottering when they wanted to bring it because they were all focused th- they would hammer you so did they have the talent to win it all 100 percent. were they possibly going to be facing more hurdles on their way yep so see i look at the steven jackson takeaway. thing is like you, you know you say uh you know that they were bringing in the biggest dog i think they needed more of an identity you know, and, and you had you almost had like a standard poodle and a pit bull in your yard, you know, and you're looking in the yard like, I don't know if I'm scared of that yard. You know, I, I, yeah. I see a pit, but I also see a poodle in there. So I'm not really sure if I'm worried about that. But then you had a second pit bull and you're now you're like, OK, no, I don't want to fuck with that. And I think that that's what they had going on. Maybe it would have blown up regardless, but it kind of seemed like Steven Jackson was ready to have our test back through it all. You know, it just didn't work out that way. So. NBA history was altered. Ultimately, I thought the fans deserved to get their asses whooped. Yep, hundred percent agree with you. I'm on. I'm on line with that. Uh, let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have one more NBA call out, and then we'll transition over to some NFL. Uh, apparently, there is an interview coming out with Draymond Green interviewing KD. Oh yes, I just saw the trailer for that this morning. I think in the trailer, Green asks if his comments made KD move away from the Warriors. So I think that's going to be a very interesting... I don't think Draymond Green uh, will hold any punches here. And if KD's willing to do the sit-down, I've heard a lot of KD interviews on the Bill Simmons pod. He will get candid. We have seen him on Twitter talk about all kinds of shit. So Let me ask you the question before the interview actually comes out. If you're at work and you're you're driving with your team and and you guys are performing the best that you could perform, you're winning awards, you're, you're... you're at the pinnacle of your profession. And then one of your best, one of your one of your right-hand men calls you a bitch. Does that throw everything off? Are you out now? Like like what what reaction would you have to that? Because I'm pretty sure that that was what happened. Draymond called him a bitch and then it it yep, blew yep. up from there. Um I think it's a tough thing, so I'm the way I'm built uh, I like to see my enemies survive as long as possible because I know I'm gonna prosper. So I want you there. I want to. I want every time that I move up, I'm staring at you. You know, I'm better than you. Uh, you know, you're nothing. That's what I. That's how I like it. That's how I go about my business. I don't want. I don't want to be the one to squash my enemies. I want them to live long time and watch me be prosperous. So having Draymond on a team with me, if he called me a bitch. I, it probably would have motivated me to do more of the things that he does. So that so I I, I my goal on the team would to become such a good player that we would forget about you. <laughs> you would become the and defensive player of the year. 
I'm like, I'm going to have to double down on all this. I'm going to take this a little more seriously. I'm going to show everybody that you really don't offer this team that much. Like, you're the easy piece to fix here. I'm fucking KD. I get you're really good and you're locked in, but you aren't me. You never could be me. You never will be me. And and that's just, like, how it is. Um, Honestly, it kind of feels like that's what, exactly what KD thought, and he just left instead of saying that. Yeah. And, and it, you know what? It wasn't he. It wasn't his yard. We just talked about dogs and yards. You know, he was an adopted dog. When he was adopted, he walked into that yard. He opened the gate. The owner came mm-hmm. out, and the owner was like, that dog stays. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like, that's a big fucking dog. You know, that dog gets to stay as long as it wants. The dog eats whatever it wants. So, you know, I think that's just about how he would handle it. Um, and, you know, now he's off in Brooklyn doing his own thing. And we saw from the playoffs the guy can do whatever he wants as he wants it. And he's got nothing left really to prove. There's some people that are going to say he's got something to prove. That's whatever. Yeah, I don't so. know who he has to prove something to. <laughs> he's got no a couple idea. championships against LeBron James. I mean, I know that, that he was on the stag team, but you still got to go out there and play the game. We just talked about having someone end their career with no rings, the difference, and we don't even talk about the circumstances around Reggie not getting rings. We're going to do that same with Chris Paul. It, at the end of the day, you either check the box or you don't. That's that's literally all that matters. That's it. That's the end of it. Toronto got their ring. It came off of a absolutely crippled Golden State Warriors team. No one gives a shit. It was a great trade. You saw you, Jerry, the man, you know, so – it's it's all about hardware at the end of the day. We're we're not a society that, that is super intricate in the way we look at things. We like to pretend sometimes that we're like real good and we, we break things down and we think about things cerebrally. Nah, we're like real fucking simple people. We're like checkbox people. So <laughs> You have ring, you, you know have ring. <laughs> that's literally it. We're fucking we we've moved past the caveman world in terms of the things we live with and in. But our decisions are pretty much made that way. You know, it, it, it's sad in a lot of ways, um, but it's just how it is. Did he get a ring? Yep. Okay, I don't give a fuck. I mean, who's going to be talking about, yeah, they were a super team. We're, we're going to be, in 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about how cool it was to watch them all together and how awesome and how that's unlike anything we've ever seen in history. It's not going to have a negative connotation. It's going to have a very cheery, you know, Oh, man, what a cool thing to watch. Three of the top ten players playing with each other. Five Hall of Famers on the team going up against the second best player of all time. You know, we're not going to talk about the J.R. Smith moment. We're not going to talk about uh, a lot of the other things that happened. We're just going to talk about how cool it was to see that. And then there's going to be, like, two people in the background being like, Yeah, but Katie's a punk. And you're like, yeah, all right, man. Get out of here. No one really cares. So Yeah, I agree with I that. I mean, I think that in the moment. I don't even need to wait a couple years. I think it was pretty cool to watch them together. I watched a lot of Warriors games in those couple years. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm saying. It was real exciting. So, I think that, you know, that pretty much does it. Any, any parting NBA news before we flip over here? And we really, next couple pods we give you are going to be NFL fucking heavy. The only NBA thing I have to close out our little basketball segment here is I know it's Summer League. I know we don't overreact to Summer League. I know that's one of the rules of Summer League. Like Fight Club, you don't talk about it. Summer League, you don't talk about it. You know, just enjoy it. And man, Jalen Green and and my my boy Sangoon, they've both been looking pretty good. 
They've both been looking Look, pretty. I, Green looks like he's got star potential, and we knew that. But Sengun, yep. that that man looks like he's got some. He, there's some bones there for sure. The cardinal sin, always. It is impossible. We're going to get into this in the NFL, but it is impossible for us to differentiate between the two. And and it's it like it's it's one of the things that makes sports the best is we get excited over literally fucking anything. Um, but the preseason brings, you know, we're, we watch these guys against like subpar talent with really not a whole lot of coaching, you know, basic philosophies out there being executed. And you go, oh, there's some bones here. Now, NBA is a little different than the NFL, but I think there are a lot of people right now that are trashing prospects or moving them all the way up their board after just a few games. And I always think it's funny, but, but you are right. There are a lot of players in the NBA right now who I think – and, and my favorite tweet of all time, uh, the, my favorite one for the NBA is, I don't know how many times people are going to say it and how many years in a row, but it's always the, man, this league is in good hands. Good hands. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> there's man, a good prospect in any sport, league, this league, it's, this it's just in great hands. League. The next decade. Luca has a good game. This league's in good fucking hands. Trey Young moves to the finals. This league's in good fucking hands. Just every time doorbell rings this league's in good fucking hands you know ben simmons makes a jumper ever nah it can't happen so no one's saying that but that's just it's everyone everyone finds their player john morant this league's in good fucking hands so yeah the league's in good fucking hands they're they they expose themselves on a national level they get international players at all times and they spend a fuckload of money maintaining that image so yeah they get fucking good players every fucking year can you imagine if they didn't it look like it looks like some crazy shit just coming in and be like nah none of these are starters hell no there's always going to be a next level we're always getting better look i, so, I know that it's uh, fun to watch, i know so. we can't overreact too much to summer league i'm just saying when i see jalen green and cade cuttingham go head to head those are the matchups i pay attention to i don't really care about watching jalen green versus the charlotte bobcats summer league squad who's not actually going to be in the nba but when I see him go head-to-head with Cade and I see how aggressive he is and he, you could tell watching the game that he wanted to make an impression, that's the kind of stuff that you can take from Summer League. Like, all right, if you're taking this game in, in fucking July or, or early August this seriously because you feel like you were wronged, then I feel like you're going to work hard and, you know, the chances of you having a good career are stronger than not. We want to see the hungry dog. That's what you want to see in preseason, the hungry dog. Who's taking it seriously, you know? That's what I look for more than anything. Who's, who's, who's the hungry dog? Um, let's, let's transition real quick to some, you know, a hungry dog pound. The NFL has begun. We have had our first set of preseason games. Um, we are overreacting to fucking everything. Justin Fields throws eight passes. We have put a crown on his head. Other quarterbacks like Zach Wilson have one bad throw, and we are stringing them up and ready for next year. You know, this is over. Hilarious to me. I go back to an insane article that was written after the first preseason game. Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf actually managed to play each other in the first preseason game. So, for a little background, Ryan Leaf was considered a can't-miss, sure Hall of Fame prospect coming out of college. Behind him was another quarterback that was supposed to be pretty good as well, but not Ryan Leaf. His name is Peyton fucking Manning. Now, in their first preseason game, Ryan Leaf beats the Indianapolis Colts 33-3. to 
And all the articles are about how this is it. Peyton Manning is doo-doo caca. Ryan Leaf is God. Now, from there, I think Ryan Leaf has been arrested like eight times in his life, had multiple substance abuse problems, and Peyton Manning went on to be a top five all-time quarterback. So let's not, you know, and that's not putting Ryan Leaf down. You know, it's Peyton Manning we're talking about. I'm telling you, you don't know shit about these kids' careers or life goals or what they're going to be at this point in time. I'm going to tell everyone what I say all the time. Calm the fuck down in preseason. All you should be looking for is make sure your line and your players don't get hurt. If your offensive line is getting pushed the fuck around and your team doesn't make a trade, worry. If your line is doing okay and the offense is doing okay, that's fine. Don't look at scores. It does not matter. Look at the injury report and then pay attention to your offensive line. That's really the only things you can take out of fucking preseason. But with that said, it is a little fun. Have you seen anything that stuck out to you? Yeah, Justin Fields is a future Hall of Famer. (laughs) (laughs) Size up his jacket right now. I'm ready to – we can start working on his bust. Hey, that man Justin Fields, he had me looking at my fantasy rankings like, hold on, do I need to adjust some things here? Oh, man, I'm, I I can't even with quarterbacks this early. You know, and then he comes out and he's like, oh, the game's really slowing down. I'm like, I'm all, I'm, I almost wanted to jump ship. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I feel like we got to be fair. I also saw this quote, but the full quote was that, hey, I'm practicing against the Bears defense every day. So in yep. comparison to the Bears defense, yeah, things are, you know, it was a little easier than I expected it to be. I'm not mad at that quote. When I saw the quote sure. that said that the game was uh, slower than he expected it to be, I kind of cringed a little bit like, nah, why'd you say yeah. that? But then I saw the They're full quote. I felt him. better about it. They're not allowed to really pressure him or hit him in practice. I don't want to hear that quote either. Oh, I'm playing the Bears defense. The Bears defense is good. It ain't great. And and they're not allowed to hit you. So I don't like that quote anyway. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't like the whole fucking, um, you know, you do what you do. He's a young kid. I couldn't imagine being in that position. And you feel good about just taking a couple good reps. And, you know, people are building you up. That's another thing is the team is building you up. Um, I like Justin Fields. We both know that, you know, I think Justin Fields is going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. Uh, minus Trevor Lawrence. So, and maybe with Trevor Lawrence, I don't know how often the number one pick overall turns out to be the best player in that Trevor draft. Lawrence is in uh, Jacksonville, maybe. so automatically you have to look at him with a funny eye. Like, uh, I don't know what's exactly. going on here. So right now, here's my takeaways from preseason. I haven't seen any major injuries. That's good news. That is my only takeaway. We're about to do one more preseason game where the starters will go a little longer. Preseason game three, I don't think anyone's going to play that's a starter. You're just going to make some roster cuts after that where teams got to dwindle. Teams, I think, have to dwindle down to like from like 85 to like 63 in like the days outside of the uh, postseason. But that that's where I think we'll be. Um, I did have I really one takeaway that yeah. and I know we shouldn't take too much and it's another rookie quarterback, but I can't help it. I'm going to overreact. Cam jo- or Cam Jones, <laughs> um, your boy uh, Mac Jones. I'm sorry, Mac Jones is going to take Cam's job sooner rather than later. I, I definitely took that out of their preseason game. They both played. Uh, Mac Jones yeah. played against the twos, so obviously you can't get too excited about it. But when you saw Mac Jones out there, he looked poised. He looked like a guy that 
that is ready to play sooner rather than later. And since they picked him at 15 in the first round, I'm going to go ahead and bet that unless Cam Newton is lighting it up, Mac Jones is going to be on the field by like week five or six. Cam Newton looks like he's throwing a large boulder instead of a football. And that's just, that's what we saw before. Not a big fan of it now. Um, I hope, I hope that turns around, but I think Cam's cooked. So I agree. I think Max going to take over, uh, you know, the only things that, I, you know, from preseason, again, looking at the offensive lines, is about 15 teams right now look like they have trouble. A lot of them don't even have their starters in there or are missing starters that are a little banged up. So keep watching lines, but for preseason football, I don't really have anything. I do have a new segment for us. I should say our first little bit called Four and Out for this football season. What it's going to be is either Leo or myself. We're going to ask four questions to the other person. Semi-rapid fire. We're going to get instant reactions from it. Um, and, and then we'll see how we do throughout the season. If we do one of these a week, we'll end up with right about nah, 1820 before the playoffs start, starting now. So we'll see what comes of it. You ready to go? I'm ready. I think. Okay. I hope. Uh, which quarterback is more likely to be traded before the start of next year's draft? Matt Ryan or Jimmy Garoppolo? Ooh, damn, that's a good one. I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo only because his replacement is already waiting and they're already drooling over him. I think that okay. I, I am of the opinion that the Falcons should have drafted Justin Fields with their first round pick this year. They went Kyle Pitts, which means that they are okay rolling with Ryan a little longer. And I think Ryan still got some gas left in the tank. But if the Falcons are going to turn into a contender... I don't think it's going to be with Matt Ryan. So that trade is also coming, I feel like. But if you're going to ask me which one is more likely, I'm definitely going Jimmy G because I feel like by halfway through the season, they're already going to want to play Lance. I think they want to play Lance now. I just don't think Jimmy G has any trade partners. It's going to be tough to get rid of that. The 49ers also just gave up a bunch of their assets. So the tricky thing for me here with this question is, while Matt Ryan is the more easily moved piece because he's an asset, where Jimmy G is probably going to have to be moved with assets, and San Fran doesn't have any. Next question, second down. More likely to win six games, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cincinnati Bengals, or the Houston Texans? Ugh. I'm going to go with the yeah, – no, I'm never going with the Jaguars. Give me the Bengals. Oh, yeah, with the Bengals. I'm going with okay. the Bengals. The Bengals at least have a lot of talent on offense. I mean, I know the Jags got their share of talent on offense too, but I think the Bengals have more talent on offense. Uh, the Houston Texans are literally a dumpster fire like with yep. just cans of gasoline thrown into it. So yeah, yeah. they should be on number one pick watch on everyone's list. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I don't feel good about it. The correct answer is probably the Jags, but, again, never picking the Jags. More likely to win 11 games this year. Denver, Oakland, Atlanta. None of the above, but if I have to pick one, None. I would go with Denver. Um I guess in the best-case scenario, Drew Locke finally figures it out, stays healthy for the year, and they go on a run because they do have a lot of talent on the team. If they had Aaron Rodgers, it would be a smash. If they had Deshaun Watson, it would be a smash. If they had any top 15 quarterback, it would be a smash. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Broncos just because they have the most potential to get there, I think. But I actually want to hear your answer to this question. 
I think it's Atlanta. Atlanta. I think they're the only one of those three with a decent quarterback. They have a new head coach who I like. They have invested a good bit into their defense uh, and their division. You know, you're going to get four games between Carolina and the Saints, and I think both those teams are going to have very bad years. So I look at Atlanta and I go, oh, maybe they get a couple there. They also don't have a real tough schedule. So I thought Atlanta might be a team that could kind of squeak one of those out. See, my problem with Atlanta is that Matt Ryan, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but since 2018, I think only two quarterbacks have been sacked more than Matt Ryan. And the two people in front of him, I think, are Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, two mobile guys. You know, they're taking sacks because they're trying to keep plays alive. Matt Ryan is not that guy, which means he's really standing back there getting his ass whooped. And I don't yep. think that they address the offensive line to the to the point that they need to. And if they're going to be running Arthur Smith's system, which he's been running in Tennessee for a couple years, offensive line, especially the interior offensive line, is really important. So until they get that fixed, yep. I don't know if it's fixed. But if it's not fixed, I don't see how they can have success. That that play action, all the, the run-heavy scheme, that's yeah. not going to work if the offensive line is in shambles. And, and so the other reason why I go with Atlanta is when I take a look at who they're going to play, uh, they, they get the luxury of playing the AFC, uh, the NFC East and the AFC East. So they're going to get the Jets, Philly, oh, Giants, wow. Washington, Carolina, Jackson. They get Jacksonville as well. Um, uh, that's their added game is Jacksonville. Um, then they, they get Carolina in their own division. Detroit they get as well. So there are like a bunch of just low-hanging fruit games they could pick up, but I don't think any of them get to eleven. But I yeah, I definitely wouldn't take any of them. Feel. No, no, okay. I hate that. And then off off the top of your head, we no longer we no longer have a clean eight and eight anymore with our sixteen seventeen game schedule change. But I'll ask you this: off the top of your head, how many teams go eight eight and one? Four, which means I guess I'm I'm calling two ties this season. I guess two ties, two ties, and turn out to eight, eight and one. We'll see how that ends up. Um, I think I think that one team will go eight, eight and one. We'll get a perfect middle of the whole thing, uh, but four will be a good one. So eight, eight and one. So just to recap here, uh, more likely to be traded Matt Ryan or Jimmy G. Jimmy G. More likely to win six games between the Jaguars, Cincinnati, and Houston. You chose Cincinnati. More likely to win eleven games. Uh, Probably not for any of them, but Denver. And then how many teams will go 8-8-1-4? Eight, eight, so very interesting thing to see how people react with that uh, additional play, uh, additional game that they're going to have with 17. Uh, we have seen ties go up recently as teams are more likely to take the tie than try to take the loss. So I want to see if with an added game we get there. And there's always mediocrity in our NFL. So who will really be the king of mediocrity after this season? So before we get into the AFC North, I got a question for bum, you. Bum, bum. Yep. What team that the general public isn't really paying attention to is going to surprise us and make a playoff run this year? Like, Who do you have as your league sleeper that nobody's really paying much attention to right now? So uh, there's start, people starting to wake up to them, but I am a big proponent of the Washington football team this mm. year. Um, I think that they can definitely pull some games out. Uh, you know, they're they're three to one to win the division a couple weeks ago. So for me, that that you know, I know they were a playoff team last year, but I'm kind of like that could be a team. So you know, I, I'm I'm kind of locked in with the teams that I like and where they're at. Uh, I think that the um, the the 
the Chargers. I, That's my I team. I think the Chargers. I think the Chargers have a better chance to win their division than people are giving them credit for. Win the division. Mm, that's spicy. I, 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 I think Anthony Lynn was a joke of a coach. I said that. Um, I think he is terrible for your all. I think he's terrible for your team as he's your head coach. I think if you can put him in a smaller role, uh, team players definitely liked. You know, they they didn't quit on Anthony Lynn. He's just not good. So. I think that there's a team that could jump up, and I think a lot of people are um, moving from. And I've talked about uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's odds right now to win the MVP to start the year was 22 to one. They're down now at 18 to one, so that means people are starting to kind of move over to that. I still think 18 is real fucking low for him, so it's not a ton of value there. Uh, but he does fit a lot of the criteria I like to win MVP. So uh, I'm keeping an eye on him. He's moving in the right direction. I think people are completely overrating Indianapolis. I think that is a 6-11 and 11 team. Just frankly, I've been real I confused watching it. all the national guys say that the, the division is going to be neck and neck between Tennessee and Indy. Uh, I think one of those teams is clearly more talented than the other. And I think they downgraded at quarterback. I know that's not a popular opinion, uh, but I thought Phillip Rivers did a good job managing the game. Phillip Rivers didn't throw away too many games last season, and I think Carson Wentz has been pretty turnover-prone, at least the last couple seasons. So I personally think that going from Rivers to Wentz is a downgrade. Don't really understand why everyone loves Indy so much this year. No, I, I have, there are zero reasons to like Indy. I'm just going to be honest. I have no idea why. When I saw originally that Tennessee wasn't favored to win the division, I, I almost, I mean, I, I did basically a mental backflip and bet on it immediately because I, I have no idea what anyone's seeing in Indy. You did not upgrade in any way, shape, or form from Phillip Rivers. And I thought Phillip Rivers, while was fine last year, definitely wasn't winning you a bunch of games. So you downgrade from someone who ain't going to lose you games to someone who unequivocally will lose you games. He's hurt. We don't even know when he's coming back. There is no backup option. Your best offensive lineman's now out with the same injury your quarterback's taken. Your defense is good. Not going to hate on the defense. Defense is good. Defense is not great. Okay, it's just not. And what are you going to run the ball a bunch with Jonathan Taylor? I'm sick of fucking hearing his name. So uh, I don't know what you're planning on doing with a wide receiver core that's never stayed healthy. A running back that you're going to trust to run behind a line that was banged up towards the end of last year and is banged up going into this year with no quarterback whatsoever. You've downgraded across the board. Congratulations. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have a better chance to win that division than Indy does. Ooh, shots fired. That's how it is. If, if you want a team for me that has potential to have some breakout success, could be Jacksonville this year. Yeah, I actually do agree with that as much as, I'm, as much as I'm talking shit about them. There's a world, you know, the world exists where everything works out. Trevor Lawrence is a star. LaVishka, Chanel, and DJ Chark light the league on fire. You know, James Robinson and Etienne go crazy. And the Jags always have a decent amount of talent on defense. So there is a world where they... You know, they could be a, a real threat to the Titans, I guess. I don't really see seven. that. I don't see that world existing for Indy. I would be shocked to see them in do- no. double-digit wins this year. And I don't care that they won 11 games last year. All the players you just named are better than everything Indy has. Facts. That's a, Those are facts. So, all right. Um, we're talking about the AFC North here. Oh, 
let me just do one thing. I have given out some parlays already. The number one that I gave out was taking Tennessee, Buffalo, and Washington. You can take them to win their division, right? I gave that out a couple weeks ago. I said, jump on it early. Jump on it because when Vegas realizes you can do that, the value will be gone. Now, when I said that, I gave that out at 20 to 1. Today, today, if you go to your sports book and you put that in, the best odds you're going to get are 10 to 1. They have already jumped on that and half that payout. Everyone's already wising it up. So you can you can follow us early. You can wait on these things. But I'm giving you value, and we're going to be breaking things down early and telling you what to get on. Uh, stay away, in my opinion, stay away from preseason hype. Go by general what you think is going to happen and ride through the preseason hype. Right now, gave it out to you 20 to 1. It is 10 to 1 now. I still like the value on it at 10 to 1. I, I think that after like week three or four, it's going to be four and a half, five to one. I mean, Tennessee, after a couple of weeks, is going to run away with that division. So is Buffalo. So you're going to be able to, if you just have that card, like I bought a paper copy so I can sell this away um, and not have to worry about it till the end of you know, through the end of the season. But jump on them now. Have you bet on that the preseason being... games at all? I'm going to predict and uh, say I've... that you did. And if you did, I'm going to judge you. But I want the answer. I have not. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. I did you dirty then. Yeah, no, it's all good. I just um, the 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 real reason is this: I open the sports book, I take a look at it. You know, the only thing I've liked, and I should be doing it. The only thing I've liked is I've loved the unders, but I'm not betting on a fucking preseason game right now. I'm spending my time watching, like I said, the offensive lines and things like that. If I would be betting these unders, I'd be having a field day. I think the unders continue to run. By the way, I think the unders are where this this is at, um, but I I have not because. I'm I'm really focused on uh you know what can I string together before the season I've only got like two more weeks to make these value plays for they're gone also fantasy football season coming up so I mean oh I've got some I fantasy questions here for you so I hope you're ready for them all right well let's let's do it let's do a quick detour and let's break down the AFC North uh, the division uh, Baltimore Cleveland Cincinnati Pittsburgh uh, that is who is in the division let's now talk about the bottom tier on this list 22 to 1 to win the division the cincinnati Bengals. uh here are my thoughts i don't have a whole lot on the Bengals. i'm just gonna i'm gonna do this thing i've done it for a little while now i stand on this hill can someone fuck off and give marvin lewis a fucking job i'm so sick of this i'm so fucking sick of this Everyone forgets that the Bengals were completely irrelevant before Marvin Lewis got there. Marvin Lewis got there, they make the playoffs seven years. Seven years out of Marvin Lewis's ten years to make the playoffs. Everyone goes, yeah, but he didn't win any. No shit, dude. He's working in Cincinnati. Cincinnati was so cheap that players, when I was in high school, players used to talk about going to local high schools to work out because the Bengals didn't have the facilities. When Marvin Lewis took over, there was two scouts in the department. Marvin Lewis had to deal with a ton of shit to get that team operable. And look, they went to the playoffs seven times. That's more than the Bengals, more than the Browns, more than Detroit, more than a lot, a lot, a lot of teams did during that span. And a lot of teams would have traded places with them. So I think that Marvin Lewis deserves a second shot after we've seen him step out. The Cincinnati Bengals haven't even put up a five-win season. And I got news for you. They are only going to get worse as they get away from Marvin Lewis. 
How could that be possible, you're going to say? You have the worst ownership in the NFL. You have the least spending ownership in the NFL. He won't even hand out contracts now to his own good players. They don't engage in trades. So they won't get value back from them. They'll just let him walk. This is a team that is going to be up for sale before too long, and it's a damn shame because the Cincinnati Bengals were founded by Paul Brown, and Paul Brown was an architect of the NFL. That's what the Cleveland Browns are actually named after Paul Brown. They moved him out of Cleveland. He got his own team, the Cincinnati Bengals, just upriver. And notice very similar colors. And his son now owns that fucking team. And he's been driving it into the ground as just this piss poor owner from a bygone era. And so I don't think that there's anything redeemable in the Bengals. I don't think Joe Burrow finishes the year again. They didn't address really any of their big problems, and I don't think they have a good head coach either. So that's my two cents on the fucking Bengals. That was a beautiful history lesson on the AFC North. Uh, I, I had no idea about any of that stuff, so I feel like I just learned a little something. I appreciate that. Uh, in terms of the Bengals in this season, uh, every preview that we've done so far, I've had at least one team where I, I'm telling you, look, in terms of wins, losses, you know, real football on the field and my betting money, uh, this team is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I'm, I will not be placing any wagers on the Bengals to win any amount of games. Uh, I'm not that interested in watching them. I think that they are on... They're in lottery watch. That's what I call it in the NBA. It's lottery watch. You, you're going to be in contention yep. for a top five pick. However, they are this episode's team that is extremely fantasy relevant. I love Jamar Chase. I love T. Higgins. I love Tyler Boyd, especially all in PPR formats. I, I really like in in longer formats or in like a dynasty format, a, a sleeper for uh, for anyone listening, I really like their backup running back, Chris Evans. I believe he was drafted from Michigan. He's been getting a lot of positive buzz, and I don't think that Joe Mixon's going to be there for the next three or four years. So if you're playing in one of those longer formats, definitely take a look at Chris Evans. Uh, but that's really all I have for the Bengals. I, I'm very interested in them in terms of fantasy points because I think that they're going to be down a lot, which means they're going to throw a lot, which means they're going to score a lot of fantasy points. Uh, but wins, losses, over-unders, give me the under. Uh, I expect them to have a top three or top five pick, and I'm not a huge fan of Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think that they're going to put up a lot of stats. I think that they have the players to do that. I just don't think this is a team that's going to really do anything. I don't think that they're going to play spoiler. One of my big fucking issues was last year. Everyone got all excited about Joe Burrow. You you heard this a lot, backdoor Burrow. Uh, for those of you who aren't gambling fans, you should be. But um, a backdoor cover basically means that while you've lost the game, you have managed to score points in the late-ending portions um, as the game winds to a close in a meaningless contest that one team has clearly has in hand. Uh, a good example of this is, let's say the Bengals are down 31-13, and they're getting 12 points. Well, Joe Burrow was able to, when the defenses didn't give a fuck, drive down the length of a field and score a touchdown to make the game 20-31, to therefore covering that 12 points you needed to cover. I think that is his highest glory he will attain in his career, is being called backdoor Burrow. Um, I think that he, psychologically, the Bengals will break him down. Um, so I have no faith in, in that team moving forward. I think from a fantasy perspective, there'll be some value there because they'll need to have yards. Uh, but I, I don't know what it looks like. 
uh, and I don't know if they win more than four games. So you brought up, before we move on, you brought up Marvin Lewis before and how we need to get him a job, and it got me thinking. I got the gears turning a little bit. What has Zach Taylor done to impress anyone? Like it, it, no. I think Zach Taylor's whole thing was that he was like a quarterback's coach on the Rams. Was that is that where where he came from? Yep. Yep. Which I, I didn't really understand why we were getting excited about that in the first place because I didn't like Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but Zach Taylor, is he someone that's going to – do you think he's going to have a long leash? I mean, this is a young team, so you would think in theory he would have a long leash, but I don't know. I don't know how they do things in Cincinnati. I'm I'm going to Google this right now for you to figure out when his leash will be up. Zach Taylor contract. All right. Now, when does his contract end? Um, it looks like Zach Taylor's contract might be up after this year. Uh, so if, <laughs> uh, if uh, let's just break it down this way. As soon as that contract is up, Zach Taylor will be gone. Uh, now, he won't be gone until that point because the owner is a thrifty bitch. So he's not going to move on from Zach Taylor's contract. Uh, and lose dead money so he's going to keep him as long as he's under contract and then when that time is up he'll let him walk so not only will Zach Taylor be a dead coach walking with no sign of extension uh, all the players will know that someone else will be in the door so once that comes up and once that contract uh, you know comes to a head you can pretty much kiss it goodbye. So as soon as his contract ends, which I cannot find right now, um, I, I think that his contract ends as soon as they don't have to legally pay him anymore. And I don't think it ends a second before that. That's fair. So uh, next team on our list here, and we do this, uh, full disclosure, we do this by odds. We've done it by odds. I know there's going to be people out there. The Pittsburgh Steelers are four and a half to one to win the division, uh, which I actually think is, that's a little high. That's a little high. Um, I really think that there should be three teams in this division all about like 100 to 200. Um, Four and a half to one. I mean, they're really planning on a regression. Uh, The Steelers offensive line is bad. Very bad. A lot of people, if you retool your whole offensive line, there's a good chance that it was very, very bad the year before, um, and you're trying anything to get something to stick. So my takeaways from Pittsburgh are Ben looked like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz before you gave him oil, and he doesn't take oil anymore. Um, Their defense is going to be nasty and really good. Uh, they just bring in a linebacker from Jacksonville who is going to be calling their plays, which is very interesting for me to bring in someone off the street and have them call plays immediately. It's not unheard of, uh, but it, it is it is interesting. They've got good wide receivers. They draft Najee Harris. I, I think Najee Harris will be fine. I have nothing big to say on him, though. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be an unremarkable 10 to 11 win team. So you say you mentioned that they have a good group of receivers, which might be irrelevant if they don't have an offensive line and Ben can't create anything. But Bingo. just as a thinking exercise, rank these receivers. 
Juju, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. I see a lot of debate over these three online. I have my opinion. I'll share with you, but let me get yours. Ah, jeez. You know, I go back and forth on this. I'm just going to walk through what I'm thinking. I immediately want to go Claypool, Johnson, Juju. Um, but the truth is, Claypool drops a lot of passes. A lot. Which is also Johnson's Juju's, problem. Which is also Johnson's problem. Juju's the best hands out of the group, but the least athletic. Juju also has a fumbling problem. At least he does when he plays the Ravens, so it sticks in my mind a little more. It's not the same problem everywhere. If I right now you were to give me one of those players to upgrade my team, I'm going Juju. He's the more polished route runner. Uh, we've kind of put him off because he didn't make the plays. There's also something going on behind the scenes there. He comes back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal. I go Juju, Claypool, Johnson. Mm. I go the opposite direction. I think Deontay Johnson's okay. the most talented receiver on that team. I think he's got superstar potential. I also think that Claypool has superstar potential in a different way. You know, he's got that big body. You could just kind of throw it up to him. He's probably going to catch it. Juju's the one that kind of just, he doesn't inspire me. Like, don't get me wrong. I would take Juju on my team any day of the week, but I, he's the one that gets me the least excited. I think his ceiling is the lowest of the three. So I'm going Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and then Juju. All right. Yeah, I, I, I think that that can change every single year. They have talent, but, you know, and that's kind of the point is I think you'll get three different answers from a lot of people with that, which kind of just points to the talent. As far as fantasy goes for this, that's also the issue. You don't know. Claypool will pick up the touchdowns. Juju will pick up the receptions. And Johnson will pick up the yards, and you'll just be mad in the whole fucking year. <laughs> it'll just be a maddening thing. Like, that's how it's going to go. So. I don't really know. I like since I, I like Pittsburgh's defense. The funny thing about this division is obviously the division I'm in is I know these teams so well that I don't really, I don't. There's a lot of times to see the, the season comes up and I go, this is going to be the same fucking teams. Like we're going to go through this whole list here, and and the next team we get to is Cleveland. I don't have super exciting things about like everything you could say about Pittsburgh last year. You're going to say this year. Like I, I don't know what you think would like. Tell me a narrative that's changed from preseason last year to preseason this year with the Steelers. Yeah, I got nothing. I mean, the offensive line has been the question the whole time. It's been a question of can you get the running game going? And, like, they got Najee instead of uh, Connor back there. But if the offensive line can't create the hole, I mean, unless Najee's going to be Barry Sanders or some shit, then I don't see how, you know, how he's going to make shit work with no line. So, yeah, I don't think that much has changed in Pittsburgh. They got a new signal caller, but like you said, he didn't even coach last year. I don't know. I'm not a Pittsburgh guy. I'm not excited about them at all. I don't know what you can get excited. If you're Pittsburgh, you got $20 million in cap space now. You still have room to make moves if you wanted to. Well, hold on. Uh, so what place. do you make of the fact that they started at – because they started out, what, 11-0 and 0 last year? Or 10? Yeah, 0. okay, 11-0. and 0. So obviously the bones of a good team, they exist – but, like, what happened down the stretch? Because, like like I said, they're in your division. I'm guessing you got a better pulse on what happened over there. I just yeah. saw them fall one apart. One trick. One trick pony. Got figured out. They actually got figured out by the Ravens in that Thanksgiving game, right around the Thanksgiving game, where Lamar Jackson went out with COVID. Um, and we almost beat him anyway. It really got figured out on how to run their offense from there, how to play against it, and they could never break it. They add in Matt Canada, who was on the staff last year, but he takes over more control this year. Um, 
Ben's not going to be a more agile, better player at, at like 38. I mean, he's watched now Eli and Philip Rivers retire, and he took more abuse than both of them combined. So I don't know. I think this is it for Big Ben. I just Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. People want him gone. They're fucking losers. Um, Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. They're going to be competitive. I just don't see the upside here of a Super Bowl winning. Can team. I ask a wild I question that almost has yeah. zero likelihood of happening? But I just think that it's interesting, and I've had it in the back of my head. If you're the Steelers, why don't you go trade for Deshaun Watson? Oh no, that that that's fully on the table. Oh, okay, okay, because like even yeah. if he gets suspended the for the year, that's about. fine. You know what I mean? Go get Deshaun yeah. and keep this thing going for another ten years. That that that's that's like what Steeler fans are talking about: Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they they view their defense and the young court they have. The the truth is, they are one or they're an offensive line and a quarterback away. Deshaun's used so, to playing with no offensive line, so go get him. <laughs> yep. So he, he look, they are talking about that. If they go get him, I'll be furious. Um, <laughs> next team on this list, yeah, yeah, exactly. Next team on this list, Cleveland. This is the best roster minus quarterbacks in the in the NFL, most likely. This is an incredible roster. I mean, absolutely top to bottom, stacked. One big problem: um, the quarterback ain't very good. Uh, their their secondary also ain't great. Sorry, they they do have problems in their secondary. They have problems in s- not all their linebackers. They have a great defensive line. They've got some solid middle linebacking play. They've got a great offensive line. They have two two really good wide receivers. They've got two great running backs. They've got solid blocking and receiving tight ends. Their really biggest glare is the fact that Baker Mayfield, uh, you know. They run these fucking commercials that show you what Baker Mayfield is going to do when he retires. Uh, running around the stadium, locking up the doors, putting seat covers on things. <laughs> like, that's that's where he about should be. Uh, he got blessed with a team with a ton of talent that's coached really well. But You don't like Baker? No I, Baker I, love? I just don't think Baker's very good at all. I, I don't I don't have anything from Baker's side that I would like. I don't mind Baker. Know, I mean, Baker doesn't get me to. going. I'm not going to go write home about Baker. I'm not going to have my girl sit down next to me and watch Baker. But I'm not mad at Baker. I think Baker's good enough. Given the talent yeah, on the roster, I mean, like I don't expect Baker to carry them. Yeah. But I think Baker's enough. They ha- they. I think th- that's about where I'd describe it. Like, Baker's okay. I don't think he's, you know, can he luck into a Super Bowl? Sure. I just don't see him that way. I don't see him as like a big contributor. I don't see him as a, uh, he ain't a plus. Baker's a minus. So one of the problems Cleveland's going to have is, you know, you were talking about what teams could trade for Deshaun Watson. Sneak oh, that would be what scary. Cleveland? That would be very be scary. So it's very much on the table. It's You're going to hold on to Baker Mayfield or you're going to go get Deshaun Watson. I mean, this is easy, and it's Cleveland. They're a cesspool anyway. They don't care about the quality of a you know an individual. So they haven't extended that. his contract yet, uh, have they? No, no, they have not. They have not. That I think all those pieces will fall. Um, any call outs for Cleveland? No, I mean from a fantasy perspective, you, you know the names already. I don't have to bring them to the table. You got Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt. Yep. For some reason, somehow, I guess it's a testament to their offensive line, but. 
if you pick up either Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt on your fantasy team, you're probably going to be in good shape at that spot. I don't know yeah. how they have two extremely productive running backs for fantasy, but they do. Um, yep. Odell, I think Odell is being slept on a little bit right now. And I know that Odell hasn't really had a, a superstar Odell year since like 2016 or 2017 now. Uh, but I've been watching a little bit more of what was going on in Cleveland last year lately. And it looked like Odell still has the skill. It's just a chemistry thing with Baker. And so I am going to assume that they figure it out because I still think Odell has that superstar talent. And he's going to be available in like the sixth or seventh round of your fantasy draft. So just keep an eye out on Odell Beckham because I think he burned people for the last couple years. But now it, it went the other direction. Like now he's getting drafted a little too low. Yeah, well, one of the problems is when you have two ace running backs and you don't trust your quarterback, who's getting the ball? Yeah, I mean, you got a good point. I, I'm just saying, I think before Odell got hurt last year, he was open a little bit more than what the narrative is right now. It just, it, him and Baker just couldn't connect. So I, I, I'm looking for a big yeah. year from Odell, especially because I, I think he's going to need some money soon. So <laughs> I could turn it up for that. Uh, last team in here. Uh, Fuck the, the Baltimore Ravens. I just want to jump out and Baltimore say that. Ravens. Fuck them. Yeah. I hate them, but go ahead. Um, uh, I'll, here's my synopsis. Lamar's a bit of a dingbat. He's gotten COVID twice. Still says he's doing more research. Lamar, you failed the test. No one cares if you keep studying for it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh, congrats. You're studying for the test. You fucking failed it, idiot. Like, who gives a fuck if you're studying for a test? You're fucking over. You, you, what, are you going to get it three fucking times and then get the vaccine? You fucking goof. Um, so, you know, that's the big story for me. We They retool the right side of their offensive line. They get Stanley back. They've shipped out uh, Brown, which... I think of no problem with them shipping out Orlando Brown. He wasn't going to re-sign here. Go get assets for him. Um, you know, when I look at it, I, I like what they're doing with the offensive line. You sign Zeitler. Uh, you bring in Villanueva, which, speaking of, you know, rock legs, uh, he has been degraded on the Steelers' side for a long time. You sign Bateman. He's out with an injury. Again, I like to say watch out for the injuries. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be a stud. I think the, the defense is actually going to take a step forward. I have no idea what to expect the offense. I think the floor is what the offensive was last year, which was it can take you into the playoffs, but just can't score any fucking points in a playoff game. I don't really ultimately. You know, that's my problem with. The, no, I, I just I want to speak to that. I think ultimately you, your ceiling is going to be determined by how well you can pass in the playoffs. You know, like, yep. and I think that's why I was excited for the Bateman pick, and I predicted the Bateman pick a little. You know, pat on the back to myself. I think that they need that number one receiver. That's what I've been saying since we did this pod at the beginning of last season. Until you guys have the number one alpha, I could throw it to you. And even if it's not the perfect pass, you can go get it. Like, that is what the Ravens are missing. And I think Bateman can be that. But obviously, again, groin surgery in the in training camp, that's it's going to hurt his chances of being that guy this year. Not fucking good. So... You know, I, I really look at this division as it's going to be a three-horse race. They're going to beat the fuck out of each other. Whoever comes out of this healthiest wins the division. That's simple. Whoever comes out of this division healthiest wins the division. 
I, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Neither the none of these teams really added a ton in the offseason. The Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers revamped their offensive line a bit. Uh, the off- the Ravens went out and got wide receivers. The Pittsburgh Steelers went out and got running backs. Cleveland pretty much stood pat and made their picks. Um, signed the players they needed to sign. So really, this is a team that's kind of just retooling, which I normally don't like, but I think all these teams are kind of on the cusp. So I don't, the only, out of this whole thing, I think the biggest separator is Lamar's the best quarterback in this division. I think that's what things are going to come down to. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly close in terms of ranking quarterbacks, but you walked me right into the next question I had, which is rank these running backs. Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. And I want you to rank them first in terms of real-life utility and production, but then I also want your fantasy rankings. Uh, fantasy rankings and player rankings for this year are the same. You got it right at the top. Nick Chubb won, no questions asked. Number two is J.K. Dobbins, no questions asked. Number three for me is going to be Najee Harris on both fronts, and then number four is going to be Joe Mixon. It's going to be tough for Joe Mixon to see the ball a whole lot when the team is getting blown up on the offensive line and they're down by 12 points every game. So I have the exact same order, and I'm not a huge Joe Mixon guy, so even if no. things were right in Cincy, I probably would still put him forth. That's all. I, you know, that, that's where I have it. So that wraps up our AFC North. You got some fantasy questions, huh? Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering. I'm wondering here. Yep. If you're going into a long format, a, a, a dynasty format, where, where you're, you're going to pick for the future here, how do you feel about this division's quarterbacks? And I know that we're, we're talking about Baker. We're talking about Lamar. We're talking about Joe Burrow. We're not so much talking about uh, a Big Ben because I expect Big Ben to be out of here after this year. But do you think Lamar can sustain his production over the next four or five years? Lamar makes me a little nervous because I know that he doesn't take the big hit too often. But when you run as much as he does, he he opens himself up for it. And I'm scared that it's going to happen eventually. There's just a lot of young talent in the division at quarterback. And I just wonder if you're looking at a four or five year outlook, where do you have that shaken out? I know you don't like Baker and you don't like Burrow, but I think that at least Baker is, is going to be at least in the conversation because he I don't see Baker taking too many big hits out there. And that offensive line is amazing in Cleveland. Yeah, I think I think Baker Mayfield would be great if you if you're cool with taking like uh you know, Baker Mayfield's a hot ham and cheese. <laughs> like you know what I mean? There ain't nothing fucking spectacular about that. If someone's like, Oh, we brought lunch today and, and you know, you un you un you, you don't know what's in them and you unfoil the hot ham and cheese, you're like Oh man, this ain't great, but I'm gonna go ahead and eat it, you know. Lamar Jackson is a steak. Uh, Joe Burrow, we talk about injuries. Joe Burrow already had one one year in, so let's put that to the side. Um, and then Ben Roethlisberger's cookied. So Ben is the sandwich you open up, and you're like, somebody already ate this. And they're like, <laughs> yep. Um, Joe Burrow, we talk about major injuries. I mean, what more do you want? Joe Burrow just blew his whole leg out. Wasn't, you know, this big runaround quarterback blows his leg out. So, you know, I don't really I, – I think we always we, – we talk about the big injuries. I think – there's a shorter list of quarterbacks that uh, didn't sustain big injuries. I mean, Peyton Manning retired because his neck degraded. Um, Tom Brady had an ACL surgery. He's now a plastic Ken doll back there playing quarterback. 
at, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks suffer big injuries that take him out for a year or two. I think Lamar has other skills uh, that even if he, he lost one of those abilities, he'd still be a plus quarterback. So I'd still go. To be Lamar. fair, if Lamar tears his ACL tomorrow, I don't really want any part of that. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Uh, and until he can, uh, until the offense throws the ball successfully, um, there's no reason to feel any other way. I just look at what the Ravens did with Joe Flacco, and I go, I'm pretty sure that we could put something together with Lamar. Okay. So, follow up question has nothing to do with fantasy, but it, we're going to keep it consistent on these episodes. Give me the defensive rankings. You're our defensive guy. You know a little bit more about the defense and the schemes and all that. I know, obviously, the Bengals are last, but how does the defensive rankings shake out for the rest of the division? Because, you know, that ultimately is going to decide who the real contenders are. I got it. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Cleveland last. I think Baltimore's got the best secondary in the NFL. Deep and good. They signed Houston. We've drafted players. We got, uh, uh, what is it, Matabuke, who was uh, a second-year guy. Um, I think he'll step up interiorly. I love Pittsburgh. I love T.J. Watt. Um, they bring in Melvin Ingram as well, which is going to kind of fill that gap that, uh, not Tremaine Edmonds, darn it. Why am I blanking on the Bud Dupree. Name? He blew his leg out last year. Bud Dupree, and he's now with the Titans, right? So he blew his leg out. Um they have Minka Fitzpatrick. They don't have salt. They, they have Joe Hayden at corner who's getting up there long in the tooth. I really – I don't think that secondary is anything except Minka. I just don't think it's that good. I think a lot of points of this year, Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be cursing themselves for their secondary. Great linebacking core in Pittsburgh. Great linebacking core in Pittsburgh with um, uh, Joe Schubert, Schobert, who they just got from Jacksonville, um, and Devin Bush. Who it, Devin Bush is fast. He can get lost in coverage. He has not learned the coverage aspect. That's why Schubert's coming into there. Um, Cleveland has all the pieces up front. I think their secondary is a little crap, uh, and that's what's going to cost them. They were multiple games last year where people put in an infinite amount of points. They will get after every quarterback in the league. Uh, if I were to do like a position ranking real quick, Cleveland's got the best pass rush, second by Pittsburgh, and it is very close. Third, a little further away, is going to be Baltimore linebacking core. I'm going to go Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Secondary, I'm going Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. So Pittsburgh kind of remains in that 1-2-2. Two, two. I just think the gap is that Baltimore can go 4-5 deep on corners, and no team in the division can do so that. So what you're telling me is essentially if Pittsburgh can find a way to protect Ben, then they're in line for another 10-11 win season. Pittsburgh will win 10 to 11 games. I, I think that's – I think they're – here's funny part. I think Pittsburgh's floor is 10 games. I think Pittsburgh's ceiling's 12 games. I think they have one of the closest floor ceilings at any Okay, so do you have know. the do you have Cleveland falling off a little bit? Because this division's not going to have three 10-win or 10-11-win teams, I don't think. It just did. Do you think it's going to happen again? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm oh, yeah. going no on that. Uh, maybe two of the three. Yeah, see, here's what I look at when I look at the rest of the AFC, just like who's going to stand up. We already walked through this. You know, we're walking through the South next pod. But, you know, Tennessee, who you got winning more than 10 games in that division besides Tennessee? Nobody. No one. Okay, so go to the West. Kansas City, maybe the, the Chargers. We already said that we don't think Vegas or Denver can. Go to the East. Bills, 100%. Miami, New England, the Jets. 
I don't think so. No, I like so Miami. If Maybe not have, New England and the Jets. But, yeah, I'm with you. I get your point. You think Miami's better than Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Baltimore? Uh, it might be better than Pittsburgh. Okay, so that's what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break there. Like that's our difference. I think I think that three of the top five teams in the AFC are gonna come out of this division again. I think it's gonna be that way for a while. So I'm big on this division. I've always thought this division was the best in in football, um, most competitive, uh, and not in a bad way. Not like when you go, oh, the East has a lot of competitive teams. If you just look at the fact that they're all six. Yeah, the AFC North does um, have some good teams that you know they they perform in the regular season and fall apart in the playoffs. That I give you that. That, yeah, a couple Super Bowls. You'll figure one of those <laughs> out. Um, so you know, it's the way it is. Um, and, and that's a tough division. So I think that this is this, this team, I think this division has a lot of the talent and, and I think they can get it done. They got good coaching also. So. All right. I got so one question to lead us, uh, to the end of our little AFC North segment fantasy purposes. You can pick one player from the division to draft to your team this season. Who are you picking? They got to be a fantasy player. I can't take like miles. No, Garrett. no. got to be a fantasy player. I know that you, mm, you'd fuck. love to take the huge defensive lineman, but I'd, no, I'd, I'd take miles Garrett in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, let's see. I can take one player. Um, okay. This, uh, I am going to take, uh, darn it. Why am I blanking on his fucking name? Why am I blanking on his fucking name? <laughs> Who's the best receiver in Cleveland? Oh, Dell Beckham. Nope. Jarvis Landry. No way you're taking Jarvis Landry. Get out, Jarvis Landry. Get out of here. That's what I'm taking. He's the best route runner in the division. He's got the surest hands out of anyone in the division. And quietly, he has put up a ridiculously good career. Uh, Jarvis Landry's the player I've been missing on the Ravens for a long time. The big play guy is great. I really want that crisp route runner that's there on time, that catches everything that comes his way, that shuts up and does his fucking job. Um, he's basically a better Juju Smith-Schuster. He is a way better Juju Smith-Schuster. So I, I don't put anybody on Pittsburgh ahead of Odell or um, Jarvis. And I have actually been on this camp quietly for a little while. But Jarvis Landry is a guy you can depend on. You need some, you know, we're talking about that feeding them the ball. Jarvis Landry, you can feed the ball to. He gets overshadowed by, uh, he gets overshadowed by um, fucking Odell Beckham. But, you know, he, he delivers. Last year, he had a bit of a down year. Uh, played in 14 games, started in 14 games. But... I, I this is a guy who at a six years in his career seven years he's got a th- over a thousand yards three times. It sounds crazy, but he doesn't have that injury history, and he's more of a known commodity than who's in Pittsburgh. So I, I honestly would take Jarvis Landry. I'm not taking Odell coming off that injury and all the headaches that he can bring. I'm taking Jarvis Landry to line up every single fucking Sunday and deliver for me. All right. I will give you, if we're talking about real-life roster building, like who I would want on my team, I'm not mad at you picking Jarvis Landry. But for fantasy purposes, hell no, I'm not picking Jarvis Landry. I'm going <laughs> to go with Deontay Johnson I think he I think he led the league either he either led the league or was top three in targets last year and I just think he's explosive and so if if I could only pick one eh, I might pick Lamar but that's I feel like that's an easy cop out so yeah I I think I I would go with Deontay Johnson or maybe J.K. Dobbins I feel like J.K. is gonna have a monster year and nobody's talking about it 
See, I thought you were saying grab one of those players and put them on the Ravens. No, 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 no. I mean on your fantasy team, oh, who are you oh, taking? Oh, oh, that's Lamar. Oh, okay. oh, that's Lamar. Okay, okay. Okay, see, I thought you were talking about who am I grabbing and moving to the Ravens. And I'm like, okay, well, out of the other three teams, you know, I want Landry. But it's Lamar number one, and then J.K. Dobbins number two. J.K. Dobbins is going to have a ridiculous year. So I just, I'll just i set that straight because I was like, okay, take one of those players, move them over to the Ravens. Okay, I want Jarvis I was going to say because Jarvis fantasy Landry is purposes. one of the least inspiring okay. fantasy players that you could possibly I pick. Know, I love him. I draft him every year. And people are like, oh, man, he got you 24 points every fucking week. Nine catches. So if you're in a PPR league, he'll go nine catches a week. You know, Some years he gets 1,000. He doesn't get a ton of touchdowns. It ain't his job. But the guy catches like eight to ten balls a game. He, well, it's really like seven to nine a game. He uh, will get you those hundred yard games every once in a while. He gets you a touchdown. He's just a real, like, real low key. But if if we're saying, I thought we were putting the Ravens. We're saying to rank the divisions, fancy players. Lamar, J.K., Najee Harris are going to be my top three. I think Najee Harris is going to get a ton of play this year. Um, I, I'm not super. I'm not super high on that. I don't like Odell coming off the leg injury. Um, See, I think I think Chubb Chubb also, definitely has to be up there. Also, I'd take Chubb and Hunt above. I'd take Chubb above Dobbins, and then I'd go. Yeah, see, now that I got a different frame of mind, because I was thinking putting them on the Ravens. I was like, I don't need to put any of them on the Ravens. I got J.K. Dobbins. If I go fantasy total, Lamar one, Nick Chubb two, J.K. three, Kareem Hunt might be fucking four on that list. Um, Deontay Johnson five, Najee Harris six. Claypool seven, Odell eight. Yeah, that's how I do it. Yeah, that's a solid list. I'm not that's mad at it. Dumb. I'm not mad at it at all. Well, Lamar probably has to be the first pick. I just didn't want to pick him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, all right. I got one other betting thing for people out there, and then I think we're good to wrap. Um, easy money out there. Houston right now over under for the year is four and a half. They did not win four with Deshaun Watson. So uh, go ahead and lock that in for yourself. <laughs> you don't like Tyrod Taylor for the five? Are, my God. So, you know, they, I think they've got 14 running backs that are going to start. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, the way I'm looking at this right now, I, I'm going top of my list. Uh, Houston oh, under four and a half. Here's another spicy one. You want a spicy little meatball. 13 to one. You can take Houston to go 0 and 17. Um, little little thing here. Week one, they get Jacksonville at home. So that bet could be destroyed. Uh, right off the clip, but if they if Jacksonville beats Houston in Week One, I don't know where Houston gets a single win. So you can take them under two and a half at plus two thirty. You can take them on the money line uh, at under four and a half. And then if you want to get real fucking frosty, you can go thirteen to one for zero wins. I'm gonna be honest, everyone out there, I'm gonna have a piece of all three. The the Owen seventeen one scares me a little bit just because I feel like whenever we get to disrespecting a team too much, they'll at least come out one time and be like, No, fuck you guys. And it might be that week one game against Jacksonville where they say, Fuck fuck yep. the media, we're gonna play hard as shit and we're gonna win a game we have no business winning. And so that Owen seventeen would make me nervous. But I'd put my whole bank account on that under. Yeah, I love it. So giving that out. All right, Leo, party thoughts before we get out of here. I'm getting old. <laughs> that's my parting <laughs> thought man I, you know the other day i, I yeah. started shopping for pillows 
I was pillow shopping because I just feel, <laughs> you be I feel like my neck is just, it's not getting the support it needs right yeah. now. And now I'm looking at myself like, look at you, you're 30 years old and you need a new pillow because yeah. this one's not working out for your neck. So I, I need pillow suggestions. If anyone's goes. listening to this right now and you got a pillow that you love, shoot it my way because I need it. My head's not comfortable. It needs to be comfortable. Yeah. That's all I got. I'm oh, hurt. I'm hurt. <laughs> Pride. <laughs> Oh, man. That sucks. All right. We'll get out of here. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. For the boy Gordo, my name is Leo. As usual, make sure that you rate, subscribe, review. But more importantly than those three things, make sure you're sharing us with a friend. Sharing is caring. We're trying to grow as big as we can. So if you enjoyed the show, make sure you send it to someone. Until next week, peace. Open the door for me, my hair hurt, find us We playing hide and seek with the passports Where the fuck we at? Oh, the pilot gotta remind us, yeah The luggage is piling, I need a close to wear So many stinky sit in my wallet Look like a folding chair, the Cartier so light on my body Thought I floated here, we boated here It's Tunchi and Tyler, but call me Bolden